I'm Farah Duro, and you're listening to the PCS Revolution Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the PCOS Revolution. We have today with us Jessica, who is actually a patient of mine, and she's here to share her journey of how she coped with three different uh, things that it was actually that were holding her back from conceiving and also just, you know, having a normal cycle. So uh, I'd like to welcome Jessica. Thank you for coming. Hi, Dr. Jaro. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited because this is something that we've been talking about for a while, um, just having you share your story. And I think it's really incredible. I'm so glad that you're able to do this. And um, I just wonder if you could just take us back to the beginning of really like when you started noticing that something was off with your cycle. Right. Well, I'd been on the birth control pill for about 10 years. Um, You know, I started... I went on it when I was about 24. Um, And before then, I had pretty normal cycles, nothing out of the ordinary, I would say. But up until that point in time, I also had a pretty, I would say, normal life. Um, I wasn't too stressed. I had a pretty normal weight, ate pretty well, exercised. But right around when I turned 24, things started changing for me a lot. was my first encounter with my eating disorder um, at that age, which is kind of older in the eating disorder world, but um, that's when it happened for me. And that's also when I decided to go on the pill. Um, And so my journey sort of started about 10 years after that, when I was married and um, I was just trying to recover from a second very, very severe relapse of anorexia. And I went off the pill, ignorantly thinking that if I gained 15 pounds, then everything would go back to normal, like when I was 16. (laughs) But that wasn't the case. Um, I was 34, and my body did not bounce back. And I waited several months and I still had no cycle. And I decided to immediately go to a fertility clinic, um, because I wanted to have a baby immediately because of my age, I was very nervous about it. And, um, she took one look at me and she's like, well, your BMI is 18. Now it's in the normal range. You should have no problem. If I give you these drugs. So, um, I went through three courses of injectable medications. Um, I was on an extremely high dose, probably the highest dose that you can take. It was twice a day. I was injecting myself with four vials of this medication and, um, all three cycles. I had a lot of immature follicles. Um, some eggs, but I never conceived, not even a chemical pregnancy. And before that, did you, how long was it that you didn't have a period, I guess, when you, when you first, uh, when you got off birth control, like how, how many months were you without a period? Well, it was almost a year before I finally got my period back. I had 
periods induced by these medications, but to have a natural period took me one year and I had to gain 65 pounds. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and so when you saw the fertility doctor, it had been how many months since you'd, you know, gotten off birth control? It had only been like three or four months. Um, I, I just was very impatient. I was impatient and I didn't know. I, I was sort of in denial about what it really was going to take for me holistically to get back to equilibrium. I thought medicine's just going to fix it. <laughs> right. Um, it, it's just going to fix it. It it doesn't matter if I'm still recovering from anorexia. Medication can fix it. Um, and and that's a common. I think that's a common misconception. It just it's really you know, one of those things that are just built into our culture. It's like, here, take a pill. <laughs> You'll get exactly. better. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I think, gosh, the weight issues, like I think medical professionals just do not have a lot of background on, on, um, on eating disorders and on, you know, how the female body functions optimally and, you know, what it, what having a healthy cycle actually means for your full body health. Right. Um, and, and then once you were started these fertility medications, how, um, let's talk about how, how did your body react? It was, I felt like what I imagine <laughs> a chicken in a coop being stuffed full of hormones feels. I, I just, I felt like it was an out of body experience every single day. I was just getting more and more bloated and I gained weight incredibly rapidly on these drugs. After every cycle, I was up another 12 pounds within, within a week. It was, it was incredible. I mean, I went from at my lowest point, my BMI was 14. Um, and when I went in for that first ultrasound with this doctor, my ovaries look like a seven-year-old girl's. They were almost undetectable on the ultrasound. Um, and by the time I finished with her after three cycles, I was up to 170 pounds, which is basically the top for my height. You know, I was like at a BMI of 25 and I was incredibly uncomfortable in my body. Um, I needed to gain the weight, but it was very, very rapid and it was it was a very, very hard experience. Um, socially too, <laughs> going from a size double zero to a size 12. Um, it was kind of embarrassing, you know, <laughs> and this, this was mainly triggered by when you started the fertility medication. It was, mm -hmm. it was, yeah, it was on, it was an unnatural amount of weight to gain in that short of time. Um, and no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just thinking about um, to when I first saw you is when you came from that clinic, I think. When yes. It, yes. So what happened was after these three failed cycles, I didn't know this. She, she kind of never explained this to me. She said, well, the protocol is now for you to go to IVF. And I was just taken aback. I said, but I'm not ready for that. And aren't there other things I can do? And she, then she talked to me about adoption. And I was like, you know what? I, I feel like there has to be another way. I felt, you know, when I was younger, I never had any of these problems. I never had a problem with my period that I noticed. So that's when I decided I'm, I'm going to stop and I'm going to explore 
some other routes here. And that's when I found you. That's yeah. So I, and I remember, um, looking over your, your labs too. And I'm like blown away about, you know, what, what was kind of noted there, um, was that it really, they, they, it was just pushing and pushing and pushing your ovaries and nothing, nothing happened. Right. I mean, there was no ovulation. I don't think at all, like, for, or no response, I guess, is what I'm trying to remember. Very low response. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't a good responder. Um, and then I found out, you know, kind of after that, that I had polycystic ovaries too. Um, and they never really talked to me about that. Um, yeah, I think they were, you were kind of an enigma to them. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So, and so, you know, when we started looking at, um, kind of square one is basically like, let's see, um, what your body, what you can do on your own, like, you know, and, and so what changed for you in that moment when you started thinking about a different approach? What changed for me was that, I mean, I feel like not to, you know, I'm not, this is not a promotion, but I do feel like you were the only person, a medical professional that looked at me holistically and said, okay, this is your history. You need to just get to equilibrium. You are not in equilibrium. You went from like extremely thin to, you know, over, overweight for your, your comfort level. You just went from one end to the other and you need to get back to your equilibrium. And what really worked for me was, you know, doing the acupuncture twice a week and, focusing on mindfulness and the herbs. We, we did a lot of herbs and supplements and, you know, two months after that whole treatment, um, I got my cycle back. And then a month after that, I was pregnant with my daughter and kind of can, yeah, that was an amazing, (laughs) (laughs) I know, continued the same protocol throughout the pregnancy. And it was, the most amazing, easiest pregnancy and birth experience ever. I had no complications, gave birth extremely quickly, easily, water broke naturally, you know. And this is definitely not a paid endorsement. I did not pay her to come over here and say this. But, but you know, it was actually to the point where we, um, I'd referred you to another um, reproductive endocrinologist, I think, when you came in. I remember. Right. And uh, it was it's like, you know, I said, well, because it was it was it's, it was a very complex case. And I thought, you know, um, let's see, like maybe if you switch and, and we can work together integratively, like we can see what's going on, really. Um, you know, we knew that your body was under a great deal of stress and you were um, definitely not ovulating. So I think that um, when you when you showed up at the IVF clinic, I, I for the other doctor, he kind of, um, I think you were actually pregnant at that point or, or you had just found out or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and, and so, so he said, well, he said, well, you know, everything looks great. And I think that was, you know, he did your ultrasounds in the beginning, which was, which was really nice to have, like someone that actually had, had paid attention. So a lot of times with, um, when you're especially newly pregnant, uh, the gynecologists don't want to see you until you're six or eight weeks along. So, um, and you know, being going through everything that you've gone through, I think it was um, something that was it was really nice to just kind of validate, like, okay, my body's working. I'm shocked, and this is happening really quickly. But you know, um, 
looking at things on an ultrasound and actually being monitored a little bit, I think it gave you a little bit more peace, you know. Yeah. And that's sort of the key, like having faith that your body can work. And the other piece that I, I forgot to mention was, was the diet too, was, was eating and eating, eating well, um, and trying to, trying to incorporate the, the fertility boosting foods every day. Um, you know, whole eggs, spinach, I was eating a lot of almonds, <laughs> yes. just trying to trying to get the healthy healthy fats in um, as much as I could. Right, and I think um, that you know the the meditations were great too. Just listening, yeah. you know, trying to incorporate those, and um, I think that was just you know, just trying to think back of all the things that that I think were really beneficial. Is just having that um, time to really you know be with yourself and just really kind of get accustomed to being in your body again and being, you know, comfortable with that. And I think that there's meditations actually that are good for body image. And we've done some things just for, you know, fertility and that sort of thing. So playing these meditations during the acupuncture session, I think was really helpful. And, um, and, you know, there's also the, the point where, you know, we did the blossom protocol, which is the four phase Chinese herbal approach. And that, um, in addition to vitamin D, I think you're vitamin D deficient. Um, we used Omeprim essential fatty acids, like a really high potency uh, essential fatty acid um, or omega-3. And along with a really good quality prenatal. And I think I gave you some pretty nasty herbal tea too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wasn't so bad. Um, and, you know, that was the protocol we did. So it was four stages and it created, helped, helped your body, I would say create a cycle, but it actually helps you, you get to the point where you could ovulate on your own. And um, right. we didn't know how fast that was going to happen though. That was pretty fast, you know, in three months. But so then fast forward to after the, you you had your daughter and it's it was i've been i guess a year later right where you came back in <laughs> that's right so after i had my daughter i was really anxious to see what my body was going to do and i said that i had a really easy pregnancy and i did but postpartum was a little bit harder for me um you know they say that if you've suffered from depression and anxiety in the past, you're much more likely to suffer at postpartum. And that's what happened to me. Um, I've, I've ha I have an anxiety disorder, so it's, I, I kind of was expecting this to happen and it, and it did. And, um, you know, it was very hard to deal with postpartum and, um, my cycles when they did come back, um, a couple months after I, I weaned her, they were wonky really wonky. And because of my age, again, I wanted to start trying quickly. And I knew that what had worked for me in the past would work for me again, if I could get back to that good equilibrium. Mm -hmm. Right. So it wasn't like your cycles just came back perfectly 28 days and no, no problems. <laughs> not at all. I was very into charting them. As you know, I took my basal body temperature every morning. I was checking my cervical fluid and I was charting them every month. And I was patient this time. I was trying to be more patient, waiting for a change to happen. But after eight or nine cycles, 
um, of an extremely short, short luteal phase of seven days, I knew, um, based on what I had read that that was going to be a big problem for getting pregnant. Um, right. And also I, um, I think we left out an important part is that your, your hubby came in for some treatments too. Yes, he did. He did. And I think it actually helped him with, with finally quitting the smoking. That was, that was a big thing. That was a big block too, um, for him. Cause he was, he was a smoker and that is not good for a lot of things, but definitely for, um, conceiving. Yeah. And it was very sweet. You guys would just come in on the Saturday and just have a like, little side-by-side <laughs> -side couples treatment. And it was, kind of, it was yeah. nice. It was very relaxing, which mm -hmm. really, really helped. Right. I mean, he was actually pretty good with the herbs too. He, he did uh, have, um, you know, a pretty consistent schedule with that too. And I always say like natural treatment, it takes two. if, you know, if always we're trying to get the husbands in, the partners in, it's, it's so nice to actually have that support too. And they don't realize how stressed they are until they actually just lay on the table and they're like, Oh, okay. Now yeah, this I know. is what I've been missing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we really encourage, but, um, so as far as, um, I, you know, thinking back when you came back and your cycles were kind of all over the place. Um, you are feeling a lot of anxiety and also the, the fact of thinking, is this going to really happen again? Because you wanted a second child, right? And not sure if what, how hard it would be and all of that. So, um, so tell us what happened next. Well, what happened next was we, you and I decided that the best course of action was to try to just replicate what we had done before <laughs> right. since it worked, since it worked so well. So, um, I committed to coming in twice a week for acupuncture again, um, doing the blossom herbs and teas and trying to do as much mindful meditation as having an infant would allow. Um, and it did. It it worked again. I was. I think it was almost. Was it three? Was it three months this time or four months? I can't remember exactly. If it was three or four. It took about three months again. Three months, right? Again, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. like your magic number. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we always say that yeah. to patients. Oh, it's going to take three to six months to regulate your hormones, and it's it's like oh, it's not an overnight process. And it was like three months exactly, you know. But you know, um, it's actually kind of a short amount of time when you think it about is. It. Well, if something's really, been really going on your whole life, you know, that's what yeah. I say. Like, you know, and with you, I think it was the confusion was that you had two different things going on. I mean, you have polycystic ovaries, and then the hypothalamic amenorrhea, you know, from also the eating disorder. So it's like some, so they might think, oh, it's, you're not ovulating because of that, or it's because of, you know, but you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, um, more, I guess, challenging, um, you know, to figure out what the right combination would be, I guess, medication wise, and especially since your body didn't respond to medications. Right. So, um, it didn't respond at all. Right. And sometimes you just see it go different ways. So if somebody has PCOS, they start a stimulation, nothing's happening. It's like, they're just resistant, resistant. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's 70 follicles, you know, it's very uncomfortable and all those things, um, depends on the protocol they're on, but you didn't have to go that route. You, you didn't do IVF. You're very close to doing it, but didn't do it. Um, and I think 
did you go back to the same doctor? I think you did. <laughs> I did because I had scheduled an appointment with him to talk about the luteal phase defect. And I went in, went in there and I was already four weeks pregnant. So. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I can't help you anymore. <laughs> or something like that. Or I wish I could have helped you more or something like that. He followed me for about five more weeks um, and then discharged me too to my, to my OB. Um, but you know, he, he had kind of started to talk to me about like, well, if for some reason, God forbid this pregnancy doesn't work out. Like the way I would treat you now is we'd go straight to Clomid or an oral drug to help your, um, luteal phase. And, you know, after my first experience, I'm, I would be very reluctant to take any of those drugs again without at least exhausting the natural options available to balance your hormones. And I think we left out an important part um, when you mentioned the luteal phase defect is um, that we use progesterone cream. Right. That's huge. That was huge. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, that along with the herbs and use it in the second half of your cycle, you were charting, you could see your cycles getting longer as far as that just lengthening out. Um, That was, I think that was pretty big. I mean, you were also taking oral progesterone from your doctor correct? Right. Mm-hmm. This cycle, not, not, not for the first one though. I think it was just the cream for the first one. I want to say. Right. 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 In this case, you had seen your gynecologist and they said, okay, here, just, you know, take the progesterone orally since we know that it's a luteal phase issue. So then, you know, you had kind of, kind of covering that with that. So, um, so then let's say you found out you're pregnant for the second time and you went back to your doctor and then what? Uh, it was not as blissful as the first because I went back to my OB that had delivered my daughter that well, she didn't deliver, but treated me during my pregnancy with my daughter. And I don't think she was very accustomed to seeing patients who had a lot of deep knowledge about their own bodies or were in sync with their bodies. Um, And I went in there very early because I wanted her to make sure that my progesterone was okay because I was worried about that with the luteal phase. And she agreed to see me and, you know, my, my HCG, my pregnancy hormone levels were extremely low and she monitored them for about a week. And based on those numbers, she told me you are 99% likely to miscarry because your numbers are not increasing as they should. Um, and once again, I mean, you're my advocate and you said, you need to wait, you need to just wait and see what happens because it's not an exact science. And I went in again and she was convinced that I had an ectopic pregnancy and was ready to give me a shot to terminate. And the ultrasound tech was nice enough to to, to talk to me and to say, you know, I think I see something on here. It's very, very small, but I do think I see a gestational sac that's in your uterus and not in your tubes. And, um, I think that saved me from possibly terminating my pregnancy unintentionally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It was really, really scary. Um, and I walked out of that doctor's office and (laughs) I didn't go back. I found another doctor. Right. Definitely, as you should. I mean, and not to mention, um, going off just, you know, just, I don't even think that that doctor was present when the ultrasound was being done even. So 
um, that, you know, just going off the low beta, I think it was, you know, the HCG levels, they look for them to double. And I think, you know, yours just started off very low, which can happen, especially if you test early. You know, I think it was it was quite early. I mean, it really tested probably around maybe it was a you think like a day or two before your period was due or something. It was right. Exactly. It was still pretty exactly. early. So for it to be pretty early. And, and I think what also they were confused about is is thinking maybe that you ovulated uh, earlier. I'm, I'm not sure like what they were basing that off of. Maybe the, the last period. Um, yeah. And I don't think you have 28 day cycles. I mean, I, no, too. not at all. Right. And that's such a, that's such a danger zone with PCOS and with any, I mean, like irregular cycles. It's like, if they look at the last menstrual period, if your doctor looks at that, they're going to base it off of a 28 to 30 day cycle. A lot of times, if you don't have cycles that are cookie cutter and you don't tell them, you know, my cycles are usually a little longer or I ovulate, you knew exactly when you ovulated, but they took it as a different date. So they're basing that number off of something that actually they're expecting to be larger because they think you're further along than you, than you are. So I think that at that point, you know, basing it off of that, um, which was not correct. Um, it's just a, an incorrect assumption that, um, that you should have been farther along. And the whole knee-jerk reaction was that, oh, it's probably a topic. We need to give you methotrexate and terminate this pregnancy. And, um, you know, and maybe they were trying to practice, you know, protective medicine or who knows, but I think it was, it was a real knee-jerk reaction. And the fact that she didn't change her opinion, even after the ultrasound tech said, hey, you have, you know, I think you have a viable pregnancy, you know, she was still insistent. So I think that that was just really alarming, really alarming, you know. Um, and I'm glad that you switched <laughs> gynecologist. Yeah. So you're, so basically everything, you had another, you went back to the, uh, the IVF doctor still that um, had been kind of helping with the follow-up or giving you uh, ultrasounds. And he, he looked at your ultrasound and said everything was fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did two more ultrasounds and everything was was progressing normally. And then, you know, I was went to the OB and then I went to the perinatologist because I'm advanced maternal age and genetic tests and everything, everything was normal. I just, so. um, yeah. And, uh, and then as far as what week now are you? And you're pregnant. 14. 14 weeks. 14. So you're, oh, you're officially out of the first trimester. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. And, and just like trying to get the cortisol back down, the stress and anxiety of all the, fir- the first trimester was just rough. You know, I mean, not, not, phys- I think you didn't have much nausea. You're feeling fine. It was just that it was everything else, you know, and um, just working on just, just getting you through that, I think, um, and still doing your meditations and trying to, you know, to kind of tell your brain it's, there's, it's okay. You know, there's not, there's not a reason for worry, you know, and that, that's so hard because it's very hard. It's like, it's like, you know, I think if you, if you, if you suffer from a hormone imbalance or some sort of infertility, any kind of issue like that, and you go through any sort of treatment or consultation on it, it's like post-traumatic stress. It's not ever leave your brain again. You were always thinking there is something wrong with me that can't be fixed. Right. And especially if someone's telling you, well, there's, you know, there's something wrong with your baby. I mean, that it's very difficult to get through that, um, and try to get the negativity out of your head. Um, and it's just not true. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, 
it's just something I think that the, that we felt so strongly about, I mean, telling other women that this is just, um, this is a definite reality. We see this a lot with someone with, you know, someone who has irregular cycles that um, there are just a lot of doctors that are not used to dealing with irregular cycles and they're just going to treat you like a cookie cutter way. And those are the ones to stay away from. Yeah, they really are. You know, they, they are. They're it's great. So They're really great with easy, easy cycles, easy pregnancies. But when there's a challenge and you have to think outside the box, that's not where you want to be. So, so I'm glad that you did find a really uh, knowledgeable OBGYN who's you know able to treat you as a an individual <laughs> and kind of go through where you are with your pregnancy and um, and look. I mean, really, you can also look at the six week ultrasound that they do usually to date the pregnancy rather than the last menstrual period, um, and that would be more accurate, I think. So, so I mean, it is such. Uh, it's just such an anxiety-producing experience uh, to go through that, but especially given what you've gone through before. So I hope that um, the next few months of your pregnancy go amazingly smooth, and I'm sure they will. You're doing really amazing. And um, and I think that just sharing this right now, it's, it's going to actually help somebody out there um, who has experienced irregular cycles, and maybe they are pregnant, and they are trying to explain this to their doctor uh, or trying to find somebody who is actually a little bit knowledgeable. So, I mean, I guess what, what other advice would you give somebody who's, who's um, I guess, who's trying to get pregnant with PCOS or who is pregnant currently? Well, if you, if you suffer from a hormone imbalance, um, I would say, and I wish I had listened to, to my, to this advice, I would say you have to, you ha- you have to give yourself a chance to try to heal naturally if you can. There's so many different avenues through lifestyle, um, as well as as well as natural remedies like acupuncture and herbs that that can help you get back to or get to if you've never been in an equilibrium. That straight medication. <sighs> sometimes is not the best option and sometimes cannot just fix a problem. Um, and that there are methods to, to get yourself to where you should be. Right. Everybody responds differently to things and it's, there's no, I I mean, I think conservative treatment is giving your body a chance, like you said, and really just, you know, I mean, also we know that sometimes clomid can raise your miscarriage rate as well. So that's, that's something that I think it, it'd be if everybody would try just just maybe for like you did three to six months, uh, see what their bodies can do. There's no harm. It is not going to actually uh, age your eggs and you know, all this tremendously. I mean, you, you have that. It's probably doing the opposite, honestly, uh, getting your body healthier in preparation for pregnancy. So so that um, that being said, we were talking earlier about a book that you thought was really helpful. And I really agree, agree with this. I think it'd be one of those required readings for so many women. Um, you just talk a little bit about what book really has helped you. The book that really helped me was Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Wexler. And it's really about um, learning your menstrual cycle and how how to interpret certain signs and just really how the menstrual cycle is part of your overall health as a woman. Yeah, that's a fabulous book. And she's also got uh, all her BBT charts on her website too, uh, to help um, learn 
how to chart your temperatures and great charts. Actually, there's like even a little area where you can mark your acupuncture treatments and the herbs you took and um, symptoms you're having. And it's really, I love it when people bring those in to treatment. It's like, oh, yay, your report card. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it can tell you a lot. Your charting, charting can tell you a lot about how your body's functioning. I mean, if I hadn't been charting, I would have no idea that I had a luteal phase defect or low progesterone. Um, I would have just thought, I would have thought nothing. I wouldn't have known. And I wouldn't have known that I had ovulated, that I ovulate later, or that I have irregular cycles. Um, and maybe I would have gone to the doctor and taken that shot because I didn't know that it was still pretty early. So. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's, um, it's a wonderful thing. Even you can find out if you're pregnant, actually, before you even take a pregnancy test when you're using those charts. So you've done that many times with PCOS, especially because it's so hard to figure out when you ovulated or, you know, especially if you have a long cycle. So that's really one of those key things that I think are extremely helpful. So I just want to thank you so much for sharing with us, Jessica. And I really appreciate you taking the time out of your, your busy life. And um, I wish you all the best with your pregnancy. And um, thank you for, for listening, everybody. Hope you have a great week. And that's the end of this episode of the PCOS Revolution Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show and want to help me spread the word about how women with PCOS and hormonal imbalances can lead happier, more healthier lives, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. They really do make a difference. If you'd like to have a question answered on the show or would like to recommend a guest, please go to floridacompletewellness.com slash podcast. If you're on social media, you can follow me at facebook.com slash floridacompletewellness and twitter.com slash floridacomplete where I post a lot of interesting research, webinars, and articles on our blog about really getting to the root of hormonal imbalances like PCOS. So it's a great way to stay in touch with the latest developments. Thanks so much for listening and see you soon.